The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. D.D. Denslow is digging deeper on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. Yes, you're here with me, D.D. Denslow, on a Sunday edition of Digging Deeper. Uh, hopefully, uh, in about uh, five to ten minutes, uh, I will have Anthony Weber here with me. Uh, I think there's uh, some connection issues. Uh, I did actually have, uh, right said Fred, uh, booked in today, but unfortunately, uh, Fred is uh, sick today, uh, and they were unable to take it. So, uh, uh uh, so, um, I was just listening to the, the TNT uh, news headlines there, uh, and there was a couple of things I wanted to touch up on. Firstly, uh, Henry Kissinger. Uh, the celebration from the media, establishment, political elite class of his death, of his life, saying what a great peacemaker he was, what a great politician he was, that the world that we live in now would not be the great place it is if it wasn't for Henry Kissinger. He's responsible for minimum, minimum, four million people's deaths. He is uh, responsible for the heinous crimes committed in Vietnam and in particular Cambodia, in Indonesia, in Chile, uh, all the dictators, the very worst, like Pinochet, uh, like Pot, were all almost fashioned um, by Henry Kissinger. And yet this is the type of person that we celebrate when they death. Well, we don't celebrate. We think, thank God, uh, that that evil uh, witch, uh, evil warlock is dead. Uh, and it does, um, it, 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 it sort of hits a chord and it, and it bothers me a little bit uh, that we are electing people who uh, who worship people like Henry Kissinger. And Henry Kissinger's legacy will live on through Klaus Schwab, through the World Economic Forum, through people like Noah Harari, who has seen dead intent on uh, re-engineering, socially engineering uh, our world, and quite possibly reducing the population, something that Henry Kissinger uh, has been very, very keen on, or was, uh, because he is no longer with us. He is probably with his master in the depths of hell. And, and very quickly, um, I'd like to also uh, just comment on Elon Musk uh, because um, uh, Elon, uh, he recently went and visited Israel. Uh, good on him, good on him. But didn't go to see Gaza. You know, he didn't go in to see Gaza when there was a ceasefire on and there was a truce to witness the damage. And that video of him with Netanyahu in Israel very, very much looked like to me uh, like a hostage video. Um, so it's a bit strange for them to then go on to uh, a platform uh, to be asked about advertising on Twitter uh, for him to, to give the big F you, oh, F you advertisers when he was just begging to save his skin and make claims that he wasn't anti-Semitic uh, when he was with Netanyahu, which would have all been about the advertisers on Twitter. So I see there's a conflict there. There's a contradiction. I'm not sure what it is, as always, with Elon Musk. He's one of those special people that I personally keep in a separate category to everyone else because I can't possibly know what a man like Elon Musk is thinking. But he definitely... Um, uh, he seems to be being pulled in different directions and he keeps going in those directions without actually putting a peg in the ground and saying this is who i am and this is what i stand on so uh the elon musk story will drag on with regards to advertisers 
but uh, I am a little bit suspicious of what his true motivations are. I see that Anthony Weber has just joined us uh, in the uh, in the room here, so I will be going to him uh, in any moment. But I would like to remind everybody who's listening right now that we are um, uh, we are on YouTube, uh, we're on Rumble, we're on Odyssey, uh, we're on all the video platforms. TNT is now not just words and noises and sounds but you can see exactly what we're doing and who we are talking to and uh, so please stay make sure you stay with us we've got the live chat so you can go and check that out on the tnt radio live website there's also merch etc which you can also go and buy there and i will try to have a look at your comments as they come in uh, before me much to my relief, I must say, Anthony, uh, you probably saw some of the panic in my text messages this morning, which I was spraying around everywhere uh, after my guest dropout. Uh, I really, really appreciate you coming on today to talk to me. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a random conversation. We're going to wing it, mate. How are you? I'm all right, Darren. And um, yes, delighted to help out, although just got back on time so um but uh sorry to hear about rights of fred and hopefully there'll be a lot of you know feeling better soon um and as you've intimated there's quite a lot in the news to make comments on and i'd certainly agree with your sort of sitting on the fence type of approach to elon musk because obviously we all hope he's not going to be too much on the bad side we 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 want people to um be supportive so let's see what happens but yes it was disappointing that he appeared to take sides uh and uh, what what we have got with the israeli gaza situation is is complicated by the fact that if we didn't have the current Israeli Prime Minister, who is incredibly unpopular with his own people, there might be a different sort of situation. So the perception that he was um, giving support to him rather than um, Israel is is an interesting one. Maybe he didn't intend that. Um, but, you know, there, there is a difference between the state of Israel and who's actually running the state of Israel and there would be other people in Israel who wouldn't be carrying out this deplorable uh, bombing and conduct they're uh, carrying out in um, you know not just in Gaza but the the West Bank as as well so um, uh, there's a there's, there's a lot to be said on that uh, I think regarding him going to Gaza, there may well have been problems in terms of, um, you know, uh, I think you've, you've raised an interesting point because uh, lots of people should be going to Gaza. And, um, uh, for instance, our Foreign Secretary and Prime Minister should be going to Gaza. And, and if it's a question of asking and being turned down, then they should be making an issue of it. But it appears mm -hmm. that nobody is actually able to go there, which is certainly wrong uh, during that ceasefire. Um, but we're now back in this situation where, uh, you know, the people have been protesting, have been proven right, uh, that, uh, sadly, because I think most people who are, sane and rational uh do not want this indiscriminate bombing 
to continue. Um, and, um, you know, it's, it's very indiscriminate. We, the, the three churches in Gaza have been bombed. And you'd think that, uh, our leaders of the churches in the UK would be making a fuss about it. But we, we should certainly be demanding that Israel pay to rebuild those churches. Yeah. Um, so, and that, and that, that's another issue, which of course is, um if you're looking at what's happening in gaza uh you're looking at the fact that uh certainly the uk government has been supplying weaponry to israel not not as much as say the united states who've been uh donating those hundred uh bunker busting bombs uh, apart, apart from many other things but uh, if, if we the taxpayer are paying for all this destroying, uh, I should presume we're then going to be paying to put uh, Gaza back in some semblance of normality. And it just seems absolutely crazy to me that uh, if we're going to contribute to destruction in a country, and it's mindless destruction, um, we should be actually be asked. The, 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 it should go to a referendum the same as this, the situation in Ukraine, um, because everyone in this country is suffering with the cost of living, energy costs, yeah. you name many other uh, economic consequences of some terrible foreign policy decisions, uh, and we're not having a say in it. Um, and we, we do definitely need to have a say. Um, otherwise, what, what is the point of so-called democratic uh, government if the key issues of the day we have no saying yeah i think one of the the most important functions of democracy would be that the public have the right to decide and give approval for or disapproval for a war footing yeah so oh our government wants to go to war because they've got bad man x that we want to attack and the public says we get a vote referendum some sort of poll or petition uh, and the public says no then we don't go to war i think that absolutely um should be um uh, enshrined in law here in the uk and if we just talk about what's going on in gaza uh because uh, the truce or the it was a truce it's been described here as a ceasefire it wasn't a ceasefire a ceasefire has sort of legal connotations i'm not a legal expert whereas a truce is almost like an informal agreement to stop killing and shooting at each other. Uh, the resumption of fighting between Israel and Hamas has been met with a mixture of fear and anger in Gaza, with the UN calling it a nightmare. A temporary ceasefire expired at uh, 05 o'clock. Uh, this was yesterday, with both war sides blaming each other. Since then, Gaza's ha Hamas-run health ministry says 178 people have been killed in Israeli attacks. I'm sure it's probably higher than that, and there are probably many people um, uh, buried under rubble who are not being counted in that figure. Uh, mm -hmm. A UN official said much-needed aid had stopped coming through the Rafah crossing since the ceasefire ended. And actually, um, uh, Anthony, uh, it seems like the focus of it is Israeli attacks now, which are apparently stronger and more ferocious than they were prior to the truce, uh, are now focused on southern, is, uh, southern Gaza, 
where everybody from the north of Gaza has evacuated to under instruction by uh, Israel. Um, Northern Gaza now, you said, oh, it's up to us to go and rebuild it because we've supplied weapons and we need to, you know, it's our responsibility. It's unlivable now. Uh, the, the Gazans are never going to return to North Gaza, are they? And if the bombing continues in Southern Gaza, the entire strip is going to be uninhabitable. Well, the, yes, that, that, that's true. I, I think uh, the resilience of the people living there is commendable because uh, they're effectively saying they're not going to be moved from their, their, their country, uh, but there will always be a proportion for which uh, the consequences of all this desolation are too bad and they'll want to become refugees. And the attitude of the Israeli government is... Uh, they're quite happy for them to become refugees in Western countries. In in, in fact, the former Dutch government said they take about 26,000. There will definitely be pressure to take refugees here. And if you look at the, the world as a whole, uh, there are more Palestinian refugees currently uh, than there are actually in uh, the, the Palestinian territories of the West Bank and uh, Gaza at the moment. So so that, that should be a concern. And of course, there have been some uh, licensing uh, uh, issued by the Israeli government for, I think it's gas uh, fields off the coast uh -huh. of Gaza. There are also other um, uh, things going on about why Israel wants that whole uh, territory um and um it, it, it's concerning that the people who are in charge in in western countries particularly the uk and the usa are complicit in all of this uh and it, it it's just simply uh not acceptable and uh yes i think every country's got a right to defend itself uh but then you can argue do the people in the West Bank have the right to defend themselves? The same with um, people in Gaza, because I don't think anyone would uh, be praiseworthy in any way of what Hamas has been doing regarding uh, civilians in Israel. Mm -hmm. uh, but what Israel has done is a complete overreaction, because you look at how when... The UK was in Malaya and how we deal, dealt with the Malayan uh, terrorist insurgency, um, it was very much to do with hearts and minds. Um, when I was going out and finding those people and defeating them um, <clears throat> and something perhaps the Americans got wrong in Vietnam, but where, where um, Israel is going totally wrong in Gaza and the West Bank is they couldn't care less about hearts and minds. Uh, but what it is doing is it's turning people who were fairly moderate Palestinians into Palestinians who feel they've got nothing to lose, are becoming more and more hardline. And going back in time, there were Israeli politicians who realised that violence begets violence, and there had to be efforts to um, to bring about peace. And the, there's a big uh, movement in, in the world of Jewish people to, to have peace. 
and indeed in Israel itself. But what we're doing wrong, our politicians are doing wrong, is we are encouraging the, the, the people of, of violence in this Israeli government, particularly the, the prime minister, and the, the same with the US administration, because everyone knows that if the US said uh, to the Israeli government, uh, we're going to stop supporting you now, and we demand you stop this bombing, they would have to do it immediately because they wouldn't be able to survive without the, uh, the support of the United States, obviously to a lesser extent the United Kingdom. But uh, the United Kingdom's uh, attitude is particularly deplorable because we had the uh, mandate, the British mandate for Palestine, uh, which was, I think, from 1922 to 1948, but of course it started effectively in 1917 when General Allenby uh, basically defeated the Ottomans in Jerusalem. And um, what's happened is, uh, if you look, uh, when uh, Britain was running Palestine, uh, between 1945 and 48, sadly, there were 784 British troops murdered by extremist Zionist terrorists. Um, but Britain didn't uh, take it out on the rest of the population. Uh, and in fact, some of the uh, more moderate Zionists turned in the extremists. But what, what I think we've got at the moment is this... Um, you've got a group of extremists, in fact, we have to be honest, who are running the government in Israel, yep. the, the, the peacemakers uh, are nowhere near, near making decisions. And this has happened because it's been allowed to by the United States. So it, it's, a, it's a terrible situation. The only thing we can do about it here is obviously protest and try and get the respective leaders of the Labour Party and the Conservative uh, Party removed. I think I, I've been saying for some months that both of them will lose their jobs. Uh, we'll we'll see, see what happens. But on the 11th of December, there's three parliamentary petitions which are going to be debated in Westminster Hall. Um, now, we know with parliamentary petitions, uh, they don't actually make decisions, but at least they do get the issues debated. And uh, we've got three sort of separate issues which are going to be debated at once. One is to do with uh, making the UK neutral and not supporting uh, any side, obviously not supporting Israel. Another one is to allow um, uh, energy, food, water, etc., into Gaza. And I'm just trying to remember what the the other one um, and the other one is uh, a complete ceasefire and the Israeli troops coming out of Gaza and uh, withdrawing from their actions in the West Bank. Mm. So there'd be a lot going on there. But um, I think um, this hearts and minds issue I was talking about is a, is a mate. It's a major issue. I'll come back to that in a second. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna come. We're just going to a break now, Anthony. Uh, and when we come back, I want to carry on uh, talking about Israel, Gaza, and, and so other questions. One: Are we witnessing a genocide when one in three of all refugees worldwide are Palestinian? And who's pulling whose string? Is it Israel in charge, or is it the USA and the UK pulling Israel's string? I can never really uh, make my mind up on that. But we're gonna find out what you think uh, after this break here on TNT Radio. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform, that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans. That's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. You are about to, about to hear today's news talk and the voice of freedom. That's what this country is all about. TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. You're here with me, D.D. Denslow, on a Sunday edition of Digging Deeper. I'm talking to Anthony Weber. Uh, we were just talking about the situation in Gaza. Uh, the bombing has resumed. It's now heavily focused on the southern part of Gaza, leaving the people there sort of trapped and nowhere to go apart from maybe out into Egypt, into the Sinai. Uh, and the question I asked you uh, uh, just before we went to the break, Anthony, was um, uh, are we witnessing a genocide? Is that the intention to remove the Palestinians out of Gaza and for the West Bank, which we're not hearing about, and maybe kill as many as possible? Uh, and who is pulling whose strings? Because I thought the great Western democracies of the world were were far more moral uh, to, to then to just sit by and allow a genocide to happen. Uh, what's the genuine intention for the people from the perspective of Israel? Oh, and one more thing. You mentioned Netanyahu. He's the moderate in the uh, uh, Israeli government. Uh, the rest of his cabinet and the rest of his party members, etc., and the people sat in that in the, is it called the the Knesset? Knesset uh, are, are far more extreme than Netanyahu is. Yeah, so I mean, that's a fair point, but um, we we know he he himself is pretty extreme. But of course. There's this view that he's using this current situation uh, to delay charges being laid against him for all sorts of things. And he's just sorting out his own a future rather than the future of, of Israel. Uh, and I think certainly uh, the, the, if you talk about genocide, that's effectively happening um, because uh, the worst scenario is many more people will be killed and injured and uh, many more will end up exiting the country and becoming 
uh, refugees. And it, it, it's just incredibly concerning that nobody's speaking up for this in, in our uh, political elite, so to speak. Um, so, um, yeah, yes, it, it, it is It is very, very worrying. But um, I, I think, there, you know, there are people in Israel who are more moderate. But I was talking about the hearts and minds situation. Uh, the consequences for uh, the reputation of Israel and the Israeli government worldwide are very, very poor indeed. Because what I've noticed over the last few years is Israel has been uh, conducting a fairly positive PR campaign and improving their image with lots and lots of countries in the world. And now it's gone into reverse because most uh, countries in the world and most people in the world just uh, find it completely deplorable what's going on in Gaza. So this hearts and minds uh, is affecting Israel's relations with other countries. And this will affect their, their trade because already in the UK, there's calls to uh, ban products mm -hmm. Israel. Um, so very many wider consequences, but also uh, there's the, uh, the the worst bit off, which is that uh, people who are Jewish are getting blamed in whichever country they live in for the actions of their government. And th this mm. is often where they, they've been opposing the actions of the government. So, uh, of course, you know, most normal, sensible people would uh, not want Jews to be targeted, to be treated the same as any other citizen. But it's almost as though the government in Israel just simply doesn't actually care. Uh, all they care about is what appears to be a greater Israel. Um, and, you know, we, we should, uh, anyone who wants to have a, a greater country at the expense of, of everyone else needs needs to be questioned seriously. Um, but we certainly need to look at where else in the world has uh, a genocide as bad as this been been going on. And um, uh, we, we, we've got to find ways of, uh, of stepping in. That, that's my, my view. Uh -huh. uh and, and the other question was, um, and, and you may have sort of touched on it, was uh, in particular with relation to the USA, where there are a lot of the top politicians in America are dual citizens. For example, every single person involved in the US COVID response, which effectively was the Western COVID response, was a US uh, dual citizen. And I have to ask the question with relation to Gaza, because uh, it has unanimous support, cross-party support in, in the USA. Who is really pulling whose string? Is it that uh, uh, Netanyahu, uh, the Israeli government, the, the Israeli state? Are they so influential uh, and have brought up so many politicians that they're effectively leading or dictating US policy in regards to this conflict? Well, um, you know, some people say that um, uh, the, the um, Israel's running the United States um and, and I mean, that's the question yes and certainly globalist vested interests uh appear to be um and uh you then have to look at you know the situation with with the israeli government is there 
a government behind the scenes which is uh, controlling things and has made a means of ensuring politicians toe the line the same as uh, they they do in the United States and there's a huge amount of corruption and arm twisting which 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 actually goes on um, but you can certainly say that it's government in the United States is not acting in the best interests of the American people but I would take it further and say the Israeli government is not acting in the best interests of the Israeli people and then you can say both those governments are not acting in the best interests of the world and in in world peace uh because what what they're doing is assessing a benchmark that it's all right in a conflict to um just indiscriminately uh bomb and and uh people including taking over hospitals mosques churches schools uh the basic infrastructure of society that is somehow all right now we need to look back at say what's been going on in ukraine and the, the russian ukraine conflict and uh there was huge criticism of, of russia but if you compare the two uh basically russia has not been targeting schools hospitals uh things which are important to the civilian uh population yes there has been attacking of some of the uh the power and infrastructure but broadly we're talking about civilian casualties in ukraine in a in, in about a, a year or so uh have been uh less than the casualties in the, the west bank and gaza in just what eight eight weeks or so so mm. it, it's an absolutely catastrophic figure mm. but is this situation where they're allowed to not take too much of a consequence for uh civilian casualties so if, if there is a terrorist leader in a, in, and they think he's in a particular area it's somehow all right to kill a few hundred people in the hope that you'll get that person uh and there are different ways of uh dealing with terrorism and it, it's not to uh just attack everyone who's anywhere near that 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 person uh and uh i think it's um you know the only similar instance has been going back to um instances in syria and iraq when uh the usa in particular but the us uk joins as well where there was mass bombing and it was said that that was justified having the civilian casualties in order to get this rid of this evil and the, the same actually happened in um <clears throat> in libya and of course with the serbian conflict as well yeah. but uh, they do need to be um wh whether you can have decent standards of behavior in war or not is a debatable matter but society had some time ago uh through the conduct of, of war and so on had accepted standards that uh civilian casualties have to be avoided you have uh -huh. to avoid hospitals you have to um <clears throat> have, have basic humanitarian standards which 
have just fallen by the wayside when it comes to Gaza in particular. Yeah, I mean, after the Second World War, after the bombing of Dresden, I believe, uh, Western powers uh, decided that actually collective punishment, uh, indiscriminate bombing campaigns uh, were not good cricket, as probably Churchill might have said, uh, with a glass of scotch in his hand, and that these types of behaviours during war were no longer acceptable and were against the Geneva Conventions and the various other conventions of war that came out of the Second World War. Uh, I mean, it could be that yet Netanyahu is just doing everything he can whilst he can uh, because he knows that the public do not support him. They see him as a failure for allowing the Hamas attack to happen, that his position in power is in danger. He may even be in, in danger uh, of um, uh, 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 of criminality and going to prison. Uh, so it, he may not be in power when this conflict is over. So it's in his interest to keep it going. And there are still protests against Netanyahu carrying on now on a daily basis, even outside of his home. Other politicians that you have brought up that might be in danger a lot closer to home uh, they're not uh, they're not sort of directly bombing people at the moment but you said that Keir Starmer uh, and Rishi Sunak two deplorable uh, uh, potential candidates for, for PM in 2024 may not be in position that, that their jobs are in danger you said uh, can you tell me more well, I, I, I look back to when we the we had the start of the Ukraine-Russian conflict and <clears throat> we had a situation where Boris Johnson perpetuated that conflict by um, joining in with the United States and in, insisting with the Ukraine that they didn't sign a peace treaty which was ready to be signed and um, uh, carried on the fighting and poured billions of aid in weaponry and other financial aid for them to uh, continue. So, um, of course, the Labour Party supported that, even though there was never a proper debate and certainly no uh, mandate from the public. Um, but at that time, I thought, well, this is going to be the end of Rishi Sunak because he had an opportunity then to separate his politics from those of Boris Johnson. Yep. And he basically did a copycat, the same as uh, this trust. And, of course, we have the same with uh, Keir Starmer. Uh, and then, uh, lo and behold, we've got the Israeli-Gaza situation. And what's happened with that is um, it's become apparent to the public that their two main political parties are both offering exactly the same. In fact, hardly any variation at all. And it, it seems to be quite clear that this is not what the public want. Um, and there is discontent in the parties. I mean, there's a huge amount in the Labour Party. And I, I personally will be very surprised if he survives, because at the moment, uh, it, it's likely that they would get into power simply by default, not because of any qualities of Sakir Starmer. But if you look at uh, Rishi Sunak, um, he is in trouble in other areas as well, particularly on immigration and the boat uh, situation. Uh, some of the newspapers today have been going on a 
that uh, some Tories have said if the boat situation and the Rwanda deal isn't sorted out, it's uh, the end of Rishi Sunak. But I, 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 I think it's the end of him anyway, because yeah, yeah. the boat situation, as we know, is just a drop in the ocean to the huge number of visas which have been granted. And this year, 20,000 of those apparently successfully applied for asylum. So, uh, the visa situation, the whole illegal immigration situation is is probably worse. So he's failing on all fronts. But to add to all of that by to be seen to be encouraging this uh, reckless uh, attitude towards Israel and Gaza, uh, it's, it's not going to get any, any votes in. It's hardly going to get people on his side. And then he had this appointment of um, uh, David Cameron, who was made a, a lord to become foreign secretary. Now, I must admit, like uh, some other people at the time, I thought, well, this is quite a clever wheeze because they basically got no one who is presentable to the public who can perhaps shore up the Conservative Party. Uh, but I've now come to the conclusion that now David Cameron is getting involved in uh, continuing to um, provide billions to Ukraine and also financial support to the Israeli government. It's echoes of what he did in Libya uh, and, and elsewhere, where he showed warlike in, um, intentions. And, and it, will all, it will remind us all, going back in time, how we all had to suffer when we had this coalition government um yet you know there was money for these military operations at the time and i don't think anyone objects to having a well-funded uh military but not just spending money on bombing other countries in the world and and so on so uh i think the fact that david cameron was um, has been appointed into this such a key position without being elected mm. uh, it, it is wrong. I think a lot of people are against that. But I, I think looking ahead, if one was Machiavellian on the political side, you could almost argue that when the election comes up and by then Rishi Sunak is gone, that perhaps David Cameron is offered a safe uh, parliamentary seat he comes back in to um, be the leader of the Conservative Party. And that, that that would not be good for all sorts of reasons. I think they have got other people, up-and-coming people, who could uh, fill that role. But I just think it's been another mistake by Rishi Sunak. And I know a number of people have signed these letters to the chairman of the 1922 committee, and I know some people said, oh, well, they can't have yet another change uh, when it's so close to the election. But just say they have the election as late as possible, which is January 25. They've got a chance to replace the prime minister with somebody fresh and new. Now, I don't think that person is David Cameron. I think they need somebody from amongst the, the younger ranks. And you might remember when David Cameron became leader of hey, the Conservatives. 
he was one of the younger ones who was hardly yeah. known at all. So there are one or two around, but I I think the Conservatives have got no hope unless they have a completely fresh uh, approach, new faces. And you see, one of the other things regarding Rishi Sunak is tainted by the COVID situation as well. Yeah. And, uh, I, and he was never ever elected uh, maybe we'll get a, a javier Millet or a gert wilders type character suddenly appear in 2024 and that person storms through and gets the election uh, and that wouldn't be suspicious at all we're going to a quick break now uh, anthony and then when we come back uh, you wanted to talk about the who pandemic uh, there is a, a, a there's a movement on this uh, and discussions that are going to be taking place in parliament in december so please stay right with us here on tnt radio with his expert analysis and opinion. This is TNT Radio's Timothy Shea. It's for the greater good. Have you noticed how often you've heard that expression? Mostly every time someone's advocating taking your rights away? The greater good. It connotes the old phrase, the common good, right? We're doing this for the common good. And we're gonna, yes, we're taking some of your income, but we're doing it for the common good. Well, that's shifted now to the greater good. Greater for whom? Never seems to be greater for me or for you. Always seems to be greater for them. And who gets to decide for whom it's greater? Why, well, they do, of course. Be silly to allow you and me to be able to determine what's in the greater good and for whom. This is the insidious underbelly of the totalitarian governmental impulse. And it's not just here in the United States, it's in Ireland, it's in the EU, it's in Australia and New Zealand. China, they don't even have to bother about it. They do what they're told. That's the entire essence of a totalitarian regime. But what's scary is how many democratic regimes want to emulate the totalitarian regimes. For the greater good, I'll take a hard pass. For MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. The next time you think you can illegally handle your mobile phone while driving and get away with it, think again. Phone detection cameras are in operation on New South Wales roads. Hello. So if you're driving and illegally handle your mobile phone, you can stop it. Or cop it. This is Digging Deeper with D.D. Denslow on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Uh, welcome back to TNT Radio. Yes, you're here with me, D.D. Denslow. Uh, we've got about 12 minutes left of this Sunday's uh, episode of Digging Deeper. I'm here with uh, Anthony Webber. We've been talking about war. Uh, we've been uh, uh, talking about sort of the state uh, of British politics. Will Rishi be in power in 2024 when we have the GE? Will Starmer, let's hope not, take his place? Uh, will someone else come through, bursting through, like we've seen in Argentina or in Holland? Uh, another other thing that you wanted to talk about that's very important very topical but maybe not necessarily understood uh, by the layman walking around is the who pandemic treaty we've seen uh, a lot of countries start to question uh, the the changes to the ihr uh, it's going to be discussed in parliament can you tell me more please uh, anthony 
Yes, um, the, we, we've already had it discussed once because there was a petition about a year ago asking for a referendum on the issue that had about 156,000 signatures. Uh, the latest one by uh, Dr. Tess Laurie uh, has got about 117,000 signatures. So that's going to be debated on uh, Monday, the 18th of December. Um, in theory, it could be a little bit late in the day because the government was supposed to get back to who are regarding these amendments by uh, the beginning of December. But who knows what, what is actually possible? Uh, we, we certainly know that three countries already have said uh, no to all of this. So we, we just don't know what will happen. What we do know is we've got to keep the pressure up. And um, there's also another petition by Theresa Backburn um, asking uh, for the UK to to leave. Who? That's got about sixty thousand signatures, and that's waiting for the opportunity for debate. So there, there's there's a lot happening there. To their credit, one or two freedom organisations have been really campaigning hard on this. But I would imagine on December the 18th, there will be a few people outside parliaments and so on. Um, but here we, you know, we've got issues like, can you be confident in somebody like David Cameron, who's the Foreign Secretary, who alongside the Health Secretary would be responsible for this issue because it's a sovereignty issue. Uh, we know it's like a power grab by, by who? Um, so uh, I, I think it's certainly a subject which deserves, you know, a lot of attention. But as you rightly said, uh, there, there isn't a huge amount of time. Um, and this is where, if you look at, say, the role of the monarch, uh, in the past, when we had the Majesty of the Queen, she kept clear of making political comments. Now, would we be happy if King Charles suddenly said, he was uh, all in favour of everything who were proposing because it's been very concerning some of the comments he's made at this environmental uh, conference. And I noticed that um, Michael Patello today has been amongst those who's uh, criticised his, his majesty. And it does uh, make one think, well, is it time that the monarchy in this country had a role similar to that in certain other countries where it's sort of very much ceremonial and presidential powers are no longer there. And I personally would like to see a referendum on uh, the UK being able to have a an elected president and keep the, the monarchy in the royal family for the sort of ceremonial type issues. But... Mm. We have a, a gap in the power situation where there's nobody to block any excesses by the Prime Minister and the government of the day. Um, but it does seem that the, the Prime Minister is, the, 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 the monarch is actually being used politically by the government of the day uh, and being allowed to say a little bit more without any authority because the, the, the monarch acts as the, the, the sovereign with, with the sovereign will of the people. And it was clear that will 
isn't behind the monarch on on such issues so i think if, if the monarch wants to make political comments then uh we we need to have an elected president and uh if you have a ceremonial type monarchy uh i'm not against them saying things politically but somebody who's saying things on behalf of the country yeah. i think should be elected by the people and Charles, when he um, when he got coronated, uh, when he took over uh, the reins from Elizabeth, he actually sort of promised to the country that he wouldn't get involved in politics and he wouldn't be involved in decision making for the country. And yet right now, uh, and that was prior to COP27, I think Sunak said at the time, who'd also just got into position, oh, I forbid Charles from going to the COP27 climate summit. I think Charles went anyway. And now this year, you can see that Sunak and Charles together in one of the hottest countries in the world, one of the largest oil producing countries in the world in Dubai, where they're holding this climate summit. You can see yeah. them together front and center making decisions on behalf of the country. Uh, is it them? Is it in the case of Charles? Is he there under his own? Uh, cognition and his own will is he there because he's just an environmentist uh, or is it because he's got uh, other influences and pressures on him maybe coming from the world economic forum well i, I think it, it, those those factors are, are very um there very much definitely there um but i i think if you look at say rishi sunak as prime minister yes he he's not been elected as prime minister but then nobody's elected as prime minister by the people uh maybe that's something which should come about but if the if we had a president who was elected at least we'd be like a lot of countries in the world where the people decided their their president and um of course you know presidents have powers regarding who's the prime minister and so on but we've just got to get used to the fact that the the the, the leader of the party with the most seats is the one who gets to be prime minister uh whether that's a good thing or not is another matter um but um we you know we the the media tries to convince us that uh you know we're we're voting for uh the leader of a, uh when we vote for a party we're voting for the leader whereas in reality that leader can be deposed the, the day after the election he could have somebody else so um it, it's a it's time uh, to me the only way that can be resolved is to have an elected president and maybe even have an elected prime minister as well but the important thing is to have an elected president because at the moment the prime minister de facto has got presidential powers as well as prime ministerial powers and that is what is wrong because clearly uh the current prime minister has got no mandate except the mandate from its own constituents to be mm -hmm. an mp uh-huh uh, and the mandate that the conservative party put in place and said this is what we want you to vote boris johnson on in 2019 and none of it has been delivered i think the entire sort of electoral system of the democracy that we live here in the uk is a bit of a scam uh, and they never deliver on the promises uh, that they make uh and talking of finally since we just touched on cop 28 and i've got the story in front of me and it's quite it's quite an amusing story host country 
country of COP28, uh, Dubai, or sorry, the United Arab Emirates, have promised to uh, massively increase uh, the amount of oil they produce by 2030. Uh, are we just being trolled with these climate change summits? Nobody has voted for the climate change or net zero. Uh, we've got uh, all our, you know, all these people arriving there on their private jets, including Cameron, including Sunak, including Tony Blair. They all went there on private jets. But don't worry, lesser MPs, they went commercial flight, yeah, because they, they care about the, the planet. And then we find that the host is planning to become the world's second largest oil producer by 2030. Uh, is the climate change narrative unraveling? And is it something, particularly as we had frozen plains in Munich headed to Dubai, you couldn't make it because it was too cold, uh, that, 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 that what they're telling us and what we actually see in our real life don't marry up? Is it unraveling? And could it be on the undoing of all the political parties? I, I think it could be. And of course, uh, what isn't made clear is the majority of countries in the world haven't actually signed up to all of this. And even uh, I think the hundred odd who had signed, they're, they're doing paying lip service. They've got no intention of doing what is required. So you're going to have a small number of countries whose citizens are going to have to suffer uh, because their, their government's making them... Uh, go along with all of these things. And this is one of the areas where Prince, uh, sorry, King Charles was criticised um, because he uh, is a little bit detached, it appears, from the huge economic crisis which, which British citizens are having to face. And, you know, we basically can't afford some of the consequences of uh, what was decided at that, that conference. Uh, so uh, it's all uh, doublespeak, hypocrisy and so on. But what we need to do is to make sure we have a government which isn't going to implement things which are so excessive. I mean, most people want to protect the environment and want to protect the world, but not in the way uh, this extreme way, which some people are proposing, because as far as they're concerned, it applies to the riffraff, but not to them, if you see, it, see what I mean. So, uh, but I, I just going back to the, the previous comment you made about the democratic system. Of course, we always have minority government because, uh, uh, you've got a good third of the, the public who are eligible to be on the electoral roll and not actually on it. And then when you look at the turnout, you yeah. find that even the, the party which is victorious hasn't got over 50% of the votes. So the only answer, I think, apart from what I said about presidential elections, is to have key issues decided by uh, national referendum uh, and have a system similar to the Swiss one. Uh, and then, um, you know, we can get on with having good government of the country with the knowledge that uh, we're not going to be taken down the road, like with the Conservative government, with Ukraine and, and Gaza and uh, COP26 and so on, where they've got no mandate, they never said anything in the election manifestos, yet these are major issues which we're all having to suffer from because they've got no um decently decency to get a mandate on. Mm -hmm.
probably because yeah, I, I mean, know they're like, they're yeah uh they will never give us after brexit i find it high i find it highly unlikely that they will willingly uh, give us a referendum to vote on but we do now have the technologies in place in which we could have a referendum every weekend on the major hot topic of the week we could do it all on our phone i'm sure there's a secure way of that happening and that might be the future of democracy but not until we get rid of all these wicked people who are in power here in the uk anthony i really really appreciate you coming on at such short notice uh it's been an amazing chat and i'll be sure to to, pro- to send you a message on sunday another time oh god no guess guest listen anthony do you want to come on uh we're about to go so uh thanks ever so much for coming on uh brilliant chat and to everyone in the live chat i'll be a bit more attentive next week uh, i'm new to tv so there's a lot of things that are that are going on but please make sure you tune in stay tuned in here on tnt radio